I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. This is Conversations with Olivia Jade, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Conversations. I am, I say this every episode, but I am genuinely so excited for today's guest. And I think I feel like these episodes are so much more special when I know the person coming on. And so I'm really, really excited because today I have Miss Jenna Johnson coming on. And if you don't know who Jenna is, she is an amazing person, an amazing dancer. She's a pro on Dancing with the Stars. She's actually the wife of my partner, Val, who I was paired up with this season for season 30 of Dancing with the Stars. And I want you guys to get to know her a little bit. I want to talk about her season, being partnered with a female for the first time in history on Dancing with the Stars, and just get all that information. So with that being said, please welcome Miss Jenna Johnson. Yes. Hi. Welcome to my New York hotel room. <laughs> oh my God. Gorgeous. Love it. I miss you already. This is really weird that we don't see each other every week anymore. It's been, well, I guess yesterday marked a week since the end. I know. But it's very weird. It's so weird. Do you it's, feel weird not dancing on a Monday? Um, yes. And it's funny because I feel like Val tried to prepare me for it of like, just get ready because it's going to settle in and it's going to hit you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, 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 I've, I felt this before, but it yesterday was really apparent. I was like, man, I miss it. Yeah. And it, I, I don't know. I just, you give everything for so long, for so many hours and you just have such purpose every day. 
that when it comes to a halt, although you know it's coming to an end, it's just it's wild. I know. And I feel like for some reason, even though I've obviously never been on any other season of the show, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it went by really, really quickly, like faster than normal. Or is this normally how the process is? It no, just- last season. Well, no, this season flew by. And I feel like because it was such a great energy all around with everybody. And I think a lot of the partnerships really had a great time. It just flew by. I mean, as stupid and cliched as it is, like time flies when you're having fun, but it flew. Like I remember the promo shoot day like it was yesterday. Same. That's the scariest part to me, though, because I even remember when I first met Val, like day one, he was like, enjoy the next three months because it's going to you're going to blink and it's going to be over. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I really do feel like I blinked and it's fucking over and I don't know how it happened. I know. It's pretty devastating. Devastating. Was this your favorite season that you've done on the show, you think? Or just different? Here's the thing. It, I've had many favorite amazing seasons for different reasons. I think this one was so uniquely special in so many different ways um, that it will forever mark like a very, very special place in my heart. Um, I think as scary as it was, and I, this is going to sound crazy, but I remember meeting you and being like, by the way, like, I'm not lesbian or anything. I'm just dancing with a girl this season. (laughs) Like I was, I didn't know how to handle myself or carry myself. You know, it was just like so new territory for me, Mm -hmm. but I really think being partnered with a girl was so much more I was just felt so much more connected and emotional and heard and understood it was it was insane yeah and And all the guys are always all the male pros are like we have the harder job I think you take the cake this season for the hardest job by far well I mean not even that but I've just I've now felt what it's like to dance with both a guy and a girl Mm -hmm. the girls have it way harder Really? That's the tea, guys. That's just my opinion. <laughs> That's the tea. I want to get into like the whole this season a little bit later, because first I feel like I want to hear just about you, like your upbringing, how you got into dance. I would just yeah. want the people listening to know like who you are and how you ended up on the show and meeting Val and like making all these connections to get to the point where you're at now. Oh, man. All right. Well, here we go. Um, so I actually was born in California. Um, but early on I moved to Utah for my dad's job and in Utah there, for some reason is this massive dance hub. There are thousands of different dance studios, um, in that state, but specifically there's this one that just like breeds dancers. So I started dancing at the studio when I was three years old. I didn't want to do anything else. Like truly, I don't have any real hobbies because there's nothing that I wanted to do other than dance while growing up. Like didn't want to play any sports, didn't want to do any of that. Like just loved it. I loved performing. Um, And at this studio, just to list some names so you understand, this is the studio that Derek, Julianne went to, Lindsay, Whitney, Brandon. We all come from this studio. So I actually grew up dancing with Lindsay and Whitney and Brandon. 
Um, we're all the same age and they were my best friends growing up. Uh, I danced competitively, ballet, jazz, contemporary hip hop, and then was introduced to ballroom when I was around, I think I was about eight, but I never wanted to choose like one or the other. So I just, I did all of them and basically had no social life throughout (laughs) high school because I was at a competition one weekend. Then I was at another competition this weekend. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And I always knew I wanted to pursue dance, but I never knew that I could actually have a career or make a living for myself dancing. Right. Like, you know, at the time, what did that mean? So anyway, I was 18. Um, I was pretty successful growing up. Um, I had some, some titles and anyway, I was 18. I tried out for a show called say, you think you can dance. Got onto that show um, made it to the top four girls. We actually film, you know, the, uh, studio where you rehearsed the opening number for the finale across from dancing. So that's where we filmed stage 36. I think it is. Yeah. So you think you can dance at CBS? Yes. I had no idea. So we filmed there. And during that season, there was a full season of dancing with the stars happening across the hall. Producers saw me on that show um, and I got hired the next season, which was amazing. It was insane. Like a dream. I, I, you know, fresh out of high school, all my dreams are coming true. It was, it was insane. Um, my first day of dancing with the stars rehearsal, I was the only new person that season. So I walk in to my first like group number and I'm like so nervous new kid whatever so young and like these are all my idols I walk in and one of the first person people I see is Val and he comes right up to me his little swagger his little walk oh my gosh and he starts introducing himself he was it was really nice he went out of his way anyway didn't think much of it because I'm also really focused. I've been working right. my whole life for this, like, boom, dream job. Um, one of our mentors, my mentors at the time, her name's Mandy Moore. She was choreographing this number and she happened to put me and Val together. So we were partnering, whatever. He's the whole time just like flirting with me in my ear. And I'm like, can this guy stop? Just stupid little things. And I was like, you know, midway through, I'm like, Oh, you smell really nice. He's like my cologne. You could sell this on the streets in New York. I'm like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Um, and another funny story from this same rehearsal, no joke. This was my first time meeting the Chmerkovsky brothers, like in person. Oh, cause Max was on the show too at the time, right? Max was also mm. on the season. I got partnered with Max at a different part and <laughs> no joke. Max goes, who is this? And I'm like, I'm Jenna. And he's like, no, no, but like, who are you standing in for? And I was like, I'm sorry. My name is Jenna. I'm on the show. Like that was his first, his first word to me. Stop. Cut to brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. It was a love story. Uh, But yeah, so that was the first time I met Val. And that was season 18 of Dancing with the Stars. That's how old were you? I was 19 at the time. Oh my God. You were a baby. When you got on the I show, I was nine. I was nineteen years old. Yeah, a baby. Oh and my gosh! Never in my life did I think I would ever meet anybody in Los Angeles. A, 
B, never wanted to date a dancer ever. Dancer. Um, check, check. Yeah, I just, I just think things happen when you least expect them. And totally. that was definitely a moment. Yeah, totally. When you're not looking for something, they kind of just like fall right into your lap. I am a huge believer in that. And also, I think one of the cutest things I remember was probably like my first or second. I've never told you this. It was probably like my first or second rehearsal with Val. And, uh-huh. we're, you know, I'm just getting to know him, talking basic like family stuff. And he gets so excited. He's like talking to me about his whole proposal story to you, showing me photos, videos, oh. told me the whole. <laughs> he was so giddy to tell me this proposal story. I was dying. I was like, OK, this is so cute. I need to meet her. And then literally like. I think the next day you walked in and that was our first meeting, but it was very cute. I will give it to Val. He is incapable of planning anything ahead or just planning in general. Um, And so when he pulled off the proposal, like I was absolutely stunned, like shocked beyond belief, did not expect it. And I was like, man, you can relax for the next 10 years because that, yeah, you did that took the cake. Yeah, you did Is it. this like a public story? Do you, do you guys talk about the, Yeah. You want to oh, yeah. tell the audience how it happened? Because it's so cute. Yes. So I had actually just won um, Dancing with the Stars. This is when we had a spring season. I had won with Adam Rippon. And Val didn't do that season because he was on tour with his brother Max. So he would like fly back and forth and come support me on Monday nights watching the show. It was so sweet. Anyway, we always love to do some sort of trip every year, just the two of us after the season. Um, and we really love Europe. So we had planned that, you know, we had been apart because he'd been on tour. I'd been doing the season that after the season, we were going to go on a big trip of some sort. And I was like, you know what, babe, can you please plan this? Because I just don't have any time during the season. It's too much. So he was in charge. Um, so I finished the season. We went straight to Amsterdam was our first stop. And this was the other weird thing is he knew for sure that speaking to my dad was mandatory. Right. And another thing that we just, we hadn't even looked at rings together. We hadn't like, I just kept sending him engagement rings, but like I never was particular about the shape or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and I, again, he can't plan ahead. So I was like, well, he hasn't even looked at rings. Like there's no way. So we go on this trip. I also basically packed his bags for him. Didn't see anything in the bag. So I already looked. Um, We get to Amsterdam. We spent a few days there. It was amazing. I'd never been before. Um, We just had such a great time. This is like four days in Amsterdam. Nothing happened. Then we go to Venice and we had a magical first day there. Our second day and we like to go a little bit bougie on these trips. Like we like to go to the nice like dinner parties and, right. and, and experience it, you know? Right. So he had told me that our second day in Venice, we were going to be going to this like dinner party experience extravaganza. Right. And I was like, absolutely. I'm down. So that's how he got me all dressed up and typical Val. It's like 10 minutes before a reservation. He's laying butt naked on the bed. Just like, not even sort of his- ready. <laughs> scrolling on his phone and I'm like I hate being late so I was so pissed at him and I was hungry like absolutely starving and I'm not nice when I'm hungry me too so I'm like babe get your clothes on let's go what's going on he gets ready (laughs) he was stalling I found out later 
Um, we get ready. We take this little boat over to San Marcos Square. And we, he's like, okay, we have to go to this little cafe. Someone's going to meet us there and then take us upstairs to like the dinner situation. Great. So we go to this little cafe and it's outdoors. It's outside. It's in the middle of the square. It's like the epitome of romanticism. It's just like insane. So we're sitting there. There's like a live band playing. There was a rose on our table. I'm just like in heaven. All of a sudden, the band starts playing our favorite song, which is Valare. It's this Italian song. Mm -hmm. So they start playing it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's like, you know, it's good luck to dance in the square. I was like, what? We never like danced publicly (laughs) anywhere just for fun. So I was like, all right. When in Venice, so we stand up and we're like slow dancing and he starts telling, he starts talking to me in my ear and he's like, you know, when I was 17 years old, I came to Venice for the first time and I promised myself when I found the one that I wanted to marry, I would take her here and propose here. Got down on one knee. I'm like, what's happening? Pulls out this ring. Everyone's staring at us is like screaming, clapping, cheering, crying. I'm like, what's going on? In the meantime, Olivia, this is where this is where it gets crazy. He had hired a full team, like a video, three videographers, photographers that were acting as tourists that were like staged in the cafe around the square, capturing this whole thing from like when we got off the boat to sitting to slow dancing to that captured the whole thing. And so he proposes, I'm like, Oh my gosh. One of the first things I said is, did you ask my dad? He's like, yes, you see it in the video. (laughs) Um, and then all of a sudden this whole like camera crew comes out and they're so excited. They take us, we do a whole romantic photo shoot with the sunset. I was like, what's going on? Do we still get to eat dinner? And we did, but (laughs) it was all you worry about. (laughs) Yeah, I was starving, but it was just so amazing. And the, I love thoughtful things Mm -hmm. and that was just so well thought out that I just appreciated it so much. And I loved too, because he was like, I, I didn't do, I didn't propose with our families, whatever, but I wanted them to be able to like be here in this moment with us. So I wanted to be able to capture it. So it was just so sweet. He really thought this one through. He really thought it through. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. What was his, because I know when we first met, I don't even think you had, maybe you had done one session with JoJo and I think it was still kind of like, I think it had to be day one or day two of rehearsal. You were like nervous, obviously, just because you guys were literally making history on the show. There had never been a same sex partner. What was like advice from like family or from Val or somebody that like, did they have anything to say or an opinion on it or, or were you just kind of like solo navigating? You know, I think something, and I'm sure you learned this, but Val does not care at all what people think. Right. And that's one, I think one of his best qualities, which sometimes freaks me out and he can get in trouble for sometimes, but he just doesn't care and he's going to live his truth and do whatever he wants or that's going to make him happy. Mm -hmm. And so with this, he just kept telling me that because I wasn't nervous to dance with a girl. I was nervous about everything else that came with dancing with the girl, you know, and making this history moment. And so Mm -hmm. he was so encouraging and just like, yo, use this opportunity to be creative and to like make history go viral, do things that no one's going to expect you to do. So I really valued that. Um, my family, you know, because I grew up in a very Christian home, I was really nervous about not nervous. Um, I was just like, how is, what's their reaction going to be, you know? And so I'll never forget after the 
producers told me that, you know, you're probably gonna be dancing with a girl this season. I called my parents and I was just like holding my breath for their reaction. And the first thing that they said, my dad said, he was like, you know, what an honor that they would choose you and Mm -hmm. trust you with this. And that really just, I think, eased my heart. And I was like, you know what, this, this is an honor. So I'm going to give a thousand percent. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot having to kind of break that ice to everybody and, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's reaction was different and having to explain it. It was, it was crazy. I honestly didn't even know what it would look like because I had watched the show growing up and obviously you see male female partnerships. And so I remember after your guys' first dance though, like week one, first ballroom floor dance, I was like, oh, like they're going to be just fine. I didn't expect it to be so, it was powerful to watch, but it was also like, I didn't know physically with two females dancing, like how do you make that look like natural and really, really like exciting and fun to watch. Not cringe. Yeah. And not not cringe. You know what I mean? And I think that was our goal the whole season. And I think because we were so comfortable with it and just went like dove into it and didn't hold back. I think then everybody else was able to watch it and be like, Oh yeah, this is natural. This is, you know, this is okay. I, I enjoy this. It's entertaining. Yeah. And I think also just watching you guys and specifically watching JoJo this season from day one to day 80 something or however many days the show was till the finale, the growth she had because of you. And she will say at first, she gives so much credit to you about how you helped her find this sense of confidence. And it's so apparent, like being in the same room as her from day one to the finale day, like just the growth she's had and the confidence that she's built from the show. And I relate to her in a certain sense, but I think it was on such a grand scale for her of just like, okay, this is me. I have to be comfortable with who I am. I'm spreading a message. But at the same time, it's like, she's 18. Like that's so young to have the opinions and, you know, just the, the feedback from the world. And yeah. And like, sometimes you don't want to hear what people have to say and you just want to love who you love and you want to live your life and you're a child still. And I thought just from just it was amazing to watch. And I give you a lot of credit. I know she gives you a lot of credit, too, because I think when you're partnered with somebody who really cares and you can really trust them, they just naturally bring that out of you. And I credit Val a lot too, like just the confidence I built from doing the show. I was going to say I saw the same thing with you. You know, I feel like in other seasons, I've been able to help some of my celebrity, my male celebrities um, grow, evolve, get better at dancing. But this was this season. I really saw, um, my efforts help transform Jojo, you know, into, I guess a woman. And maybe because I had done something similar, you know, I could relate. I looked at her and saw the 18 year old me Mm -hmm. and there was so much potential, so much growth, Um, so many areas to gain confidence and to like be accepting and loving of herself. And I really did see that. And I think that it helped the blow of getting second place. Yeah. Um, was see, I felt like I had already won because I just saw such an incredible outcome of who she was becoming. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what, this is the best I could have ever asked for. Like that's a win within itself. I mean, I wish people could really see like, 
I mean, you can hear us. I'm sure you can see on TV, but the way people transform from the show, and I feel like specifically people who maybe are a little bit younger and feel lost in just a certain degree, because I can relate to that, like coming onto the show, being in my early 20s, feeling like, what's my purpose? I feel like nobody really likes me in the world. And like, now I'm going to put myself on national TV and it's probably all going to fail and it's going to be embarrassing. And then literally after like day two, I was like, oh wait, this is really fun. And then week two and then week three and then week four. And I was like, I, I'm obsessed. I love this. I love myself. I love yeah. waking up and being in my own body and getting to do this. And I feel like just from talking to Joe, I feel like she had like a similar experience, but I know that that has to do with you a lot. And I just think it's amazing. But I think too, you know, those people that you're explaining, and I think you are one of them, Jojo is definitely one of them. And I, it, it can be younger people. They are the most fulfilled and gain the most out of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does change their life in a sense. And I saw it with you. I mean, your body changed. I feel like your confidence changed the way that you carry yourself. I saw that with Jojo. You know, she was like wearing little crop tops towards the end. I know. And she would never have worn that week one. I know. She said that in an interview. She's like, I didn't even want to show my arms before. And now I'm here and I'm like a whole ass woman. I, I made her cry one time. One time I made her cry. And it was because it was our second week. She was wearing this baggiest shirt. And I was like, Jojo, I can't see your body. You need to take it off. She had something underneath. I knew it. She's like, I'm not taking it off. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I will not dance with you until you take it off. Tears, full tears. And I was like, is this happening right now? Full tears, sobbing. And we've talked about this. So this isn't private. Yeah, I I know I can speak (laughs) on it, but sobbing and then I just like kind of it hit me and I was like well where is this coming from and she's like you know I don't like my arms I don't like my shoulders I feel like I'm broader and I was like I wish you could see Mm -hmm. how actually stunning you are so I grabbed her hands we walked in front of the mirror we did some like affirmations for a sec she took off her shirt and we danced and then literally the next day she came in the crop top and like never wore a full baggy shirt ever again and I was like that wow. is such a moment. That's something she'll also remember for the rest of her life, which I just think is, I mean, the show, it's really crazy. It does stuff to you. You're only in it for three months, but it's crazy. Okay. Now that it's yeah. over though, what's, what's upcoming? S- another season I'm assuming on the show. Yeah. I actually got Val into a pickle last time I asked this question. I accidentally, I don't know if I like exposed too much information. So you don't have to answer anything if you don't want to. <laughs> Again, Val's an open book. He doesn't care. Um, No, I'm excited because so Val and I aren't going on the Dancing with the Stars tour this year, which is wild for us because we've been on about seven of them. Wow. Um, You know, it's it's hard to say no because we love performing. Right. But I think it's time for us to start being our own family and you know, being married and not being married on the road or on a TV show. It's, you know, it's, I'm excited to have this moment together and to have some time to just like breathe out, take our time with things. Um, But we have some upcoming projects that I'm really excited about. We also teach for a kid's convention. Um, I'm sure Val told you about that, but we go out on every weekend. We're in a new city teaching. It's called 24 seven dance. When does that Um, start? We love that. We're going to be starting up at the beginning of the year. So come January, we're going to be traveling. I can't wait. They're, these kids are amazing and like the best. 
So what does that entail? Like you guys go to different cities and states and just train kids that are, is this with like Dance and Co. Val's thing or is this? No, separate? this is with a different company. Yeah. It's what I essentially grew up doing as a competitive dancer, as a kid. Um, this is what inspired me to want to be a dancer, a professional dancer. Basically it's a weekend long thing. You come and you take classes, you get to compete with your studio. So we'll teach about six classes a weekend and it's like full out dancing. Oh, it's just amazing. That's it's awesome. so much fun. And do they let 22 year olds do it? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. Like thousands of kids and it's awesome to see this new generation of like, these are going to be the next superstars you know? Yeah, totally. Okay. I'm going to look down because I wrote out one question that I saw online and I just changed it a little bit because I thought it was such an interesting question. And okay. It says, obviously it didn't say online, a dancing with the stars partner, (laughs) but tell me about a dancing with the stars partner who touched your heart and tell me about one who changed your practice. And I loved how this person worded that. I thought it was fascinating. Hmm changed my heart, changed my practice. Wow. These are all great. Um, I will say that Jojo definitely changed my heart. Mm. Um, just in how I saw the world, how I saw people, how I saw myself, how I was more accepting. She definitely changed my heart in so many ways. Um, changed my practice. I would say either, uh, my partner, Adam Rippon, he was an Olympic ice skater. And at the time, while he was doing the show, he was traveling. This was just after the Olympics had happened. And they went on this tour, this like nationwide tour with all of the, um, Olympic skaters together. Mm -hmm. So we would legit wake up at 6 a.m., practice in any hotel lobby, hotel convention center, the jankiest little studios all over America. And then he would go and do these like four hour shows where he was skating full out, doing meet and greets. Then we would travel that night or the next morning and then rehearse at 6 a.m that I just saw such commitment and he never complained one time, not one time. And I knew he was exhausted beyond belief, but he would give me everything um, when we would step into the rehearsal. And I just, from then on, I committed myself to every time I'm going to step into a dance studio, I'm going to give my all because if he is exhausted and I'm like, I I can do this. I can do a three hour rehearsal. You know what I mean? Um, so I feel like that changed just the way my practice, meaning the way I hold my rehearsals, the way I show up, the way I commit myself. Um, he really, really touched me then. But I would also say my last season partner, Neve Shulman, Catfish, um, he challenged me. And at first I hated it. And I was like, this guy. Like in what way? Like he would like not question me, but he would be like, are you sure? Or maybe <laughs> we could try this. And I was like, but, you know, I think that was the New Yorker in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also pushed me and made me have options ready, made me be quick on my feet. 
And I would say I really appreciated that. And before I would never have taken that. I'd have been like, "Mm -mm, sorry, buddy. No, no. Yeah. Like this is that I'm actually the pro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good, though. I feel like that can also create new experiences. I don't think I ever tried to give my two cents this season. I was just like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody. Whatever you want. Yeah, literally whatever Val wanted. I was like, okay, I'll I'll try it. It was hard, though. And it's hard also, like from my, like on the opposing end, it's hard to put that much like trust into somebody else. And obviously, I feel like with most of the contestants, like after a few days, you you realize that that person has your best interest and like you can fully trust them and they know what they're doing. But it is hard. Well, like it's foreign, you know. I want to ask you because it is normal for us because we do this year after year. Right. We and then we actually kind of ex- Expect it from our celebrities where you're walking into this blindly and you're right to be able to trust somebody, you know, with what you're wearing, what mm-hmm. you're doing, what you're looking like, how your dancing feels. Right. You know, that is, that must be terrifying. It's terrifying. And I think for me personally, it was like 10 times more scary because I hadn't put myself out publicly, you know, in two years. And I've told you like about this privately before, but just for the people listening, it was like really hard for me to, to know, like, I, I never thought for a second, like Val or whoever they ended up partnering me with would have like malintentions or like, wouldn't have my best interest. Like I, I believed in the person I was dancing with. I'm like, okay, it's going to be fine. These are all really sweet people. But also I had known like how people viewed me and the way when I would be out and about people would treat me or look at me. And I didn't want that to like interfere with anything so I was really hesitant to even say yes to the show and then once I did say Mm -hmm. yes I was like well this is my first time being public again so anything I say or I do or the way I dress or something that's in a package that oh my gosh why did they add that in my package like I didn't want that to be seen like moments like that I was really nervous about because I just didn't want the narrative that had already been put out there about me to go any further so that was like hard for me just coming from a place of like I already feel like so many people don't like me so now I'm nervous to like trust again, just in general. Yeah. And to like be your pure, authentic self. Yeah, totally. So that was like a little scary for sure. But I, as I said, like after I think one or two practices, I was like, oh, this is actually really fun. Like I enjoy this. Well, you know, I, I will say that I think that Val was the absolute perfect partner for you because he cares beyond. Mm-hmm. and. He, again, he doesn't care about what anyone says or thinks. Um, He will make those assumptions for himself. Yeah, that was super evident too. like day one or two. He like. Yeah, but I also think that he gave you everything and was like, I'm her number one fan, her number one supporter. I will ride or die for this chick. You know what I mean? And. I think you would have gotten that with other guys on the show, but I think that he gave, he was the perfect partner for you. I agree. 1000%. I think too, like everything happens for a reason. I'm a huge believer in that. And I just think that that whole situation and him, because as I, I don't want to be repetitive, but also like, I feel like I hadn't had some, especially a stranger that didn't know me before all this. Like I hadn't had somebody like believe in me or trust me yeah. or want to see me succeed so I was really thrown off honestly when I met him and he was just super nice and like a genuine teammate I was like is this real like is somebody well and I I I hate to like put any words into your mouth but like I bet it was also a weird feeling to be treated with like 
love and Mm -hmm. respect and like genuine the best interest your best interest in mind every single day and I'm sure that that was a scary but like also really beautiful feeling yeah it was really rewarding like (laughs) it's just something that I never thought would happen from the show but it's crazy. I'm so happy you did the show. Me too. Like, what if you would have said no? I know. I think about that often. I'm like, what would I be doing? I'd be probably uh, in heavy therapy still, which I've dialed back on, <laughs> which I think is a good a good thing for me because that means that, you know, I'm, I'm progressing. I'm getting out of my little um, funk I've been in for a few years, slowly but surely. But I credit so much of that to the show and Dance is therapy. Dance is therapy. I highly encourage everybody to try it. If you're a little sad, just blast some music on your TV, bust a move. You'll be fine. Go on Dancing with the Stars if you can. (laughs) The world is your oyster at this point. Yes. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for god to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet you need god to show you your next step Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. All right, I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to ask you, is there anything that I didn't know to ask that you want to share or anything that like, or a question that like, maybe somebody's asked you before and it was just a really, really great question and you have good perspective on it or something that even though I know you pretty well, I would say that I could have missed out on. Uh. Or is there anything you want to talk about? Like upcoming, do you have projects? I think you, I had a thought for you, Jen. I think you should do a clothing line because I didn't know the Joe and Jack's brand wasn't yours. So I've been like, yes, I've been repping it this whole time. Really, really like proud of it. And then I realized that you did a collaboration with them. And I was like, yes. this woman has great style. And she knows from being in the gym all the time. You guys should see her fucking uh. body. It's insane. And also a professional dancer. Like, I think you could really nail a line suited for that. So that's my business two cents. Thank you so much. Maybe we should go into it together. Um, I'm down. Yeah, I do actually, I do have a dancewear line with a company called Joe and Jacks. Um, we released our first collection and it was fun to see people wearing it this season on Dancing with the Stars. Here's the thing. I would love to do that, but my brain doesn't know factories, mm -hmm. manufacturing, dealing with that whole end. I feel like my brain's more creative and not like the business side of it. So right. I think I would go absolutely psychotic. I'm um, trying to do it all myself. Yeah. But maybe we'll, we'll put it out. You know that Val had a line called Valentine? Dude, he told me this like recently, like towards the end of the season. And I was like, what? Yes. He had like such great little shirts and this like little logo and sweatpants. It was amazing. I, I think we need to bring that back. Bring back Valentine. We're like plugging a brand <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. He told me too. He's like, it's just too cool. It's, it was just too cool that the people didn't get it. And that's why. That is we had the to most foul thing to say. It's, it was too cool. <laughs> it didn't oh, fit the demo. Gosh. Yeah, it didn't. Um, no, I think that's something that, I don't know. I don't actually know if we've really talked about this, but I am just so into, I think also after seeing Jojo's transformation, even your transformation, I'm just like all about body positivity right now. Mm -hmm. And I've been on both ends of the spectrum of like being hated on because I was too fat for everyone. Then being skinny shamed because I'm too skinny and mm -hmm. need to go to eat a hamburger. Like I just can't deal anymore. Yeah. And I just think that everybody is in their own phase of life. And especially women, I think our bodies are uh, transitioning all the time and mm -hmm. evolving. And I just think it's so important to embrace every stage, every phase that you're in. Because listen, without this specimen thing, like we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing what we get to do every day. Right. So yeah, body positivity, man. I'm just, I'm all about it. Being great for our bodies in, in every phase of life. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like it's hard to being a quote unquote influencer or like on like social media or whatever you want to call me. 
But it's hard because I feel so hypocritical, right? I post my best angles. Like the best. Yeah, you're always looking like a snap. Tan, the best outfit I have. Like I'm always putting something out there that I'm like, I feel my most confident in, which I think is cool to a certain degree. But also I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I have so many moments where I'm really struggling, like looking at myself in the mirror or like not liking how my body looks or one week feeling like, wow, you look really good. And then just being a human and a girl and my body like completely fluctuating in a week. And then me feeling like shit about it because I'm so used to comparing myself online. And I think that's, it's something that so many young girls deal with and social media yeah. in general. And you know what I thought about? I don't know if I, I might've talked about this on an episode before, but I feel like social media should have like some sort of age limit. Because when we were growing up, it was like, I think I was the last, right? Like, I think I was the last generation that didn't grow up with social media. Like, I just made it out of, like, elementary school with no Instagram, no Twitter. Like, I guess there was Twitter, but, like, we didn't use it. Um, No. And I feel like it, it enabled me, A, to, like, use my brain and my memory and create these crazy, crazy stories that maybe didn't exist, but I could use my imagination as a child. And I just feel like that is not really a thing anymore. And it makes me sad. I was just on the train, no joke. And there was this, this little girl with her mom and her brother. She was probably no joke, 12, maybe 11, 12, reading comments scrolling through comments, comments. And it wasn't, I don't know if it was a photo of her or what it was. She was just reading comments. And I was like, this is absolutely terrible. And just for probably 10 minutes straight on the train, every comment she was reading. Damn. That is not good for children to care, to want to read those comments, to believe any, to like even have interest in going through what they have to say. You know, I, oh man. Yeah. I am 1000% on board with an age limit to social media. Yeah. Yes. There's got to be some restrictions. It's just getting, and it's not healthy for anyone, even being in our twenties. It's not like me reading my comments, even if they're nice, it's not like it gets me anywhere that far. Like I don't think no. our brains are meant to, well, we're definitely not meant to know this many people or know about this many people and see this many people. Like, I don't think us as humans were built for that. Well, and it's inevitable too, because, and Val will say this all the time to me, I'll get hundreds of comments, but if there are four that are negative Nancy's, I'm going to only remember those four. Period. I will only remember those four. And Same. why? How is that good for our brains? I just had hundreds of comments that were like, queen, yes, what, what, that four comments. I know. Of it's- haters. And that's all I care about. And I'm like, I did something wrong. No, because it's just how our brains are programmed. We want to please people. We want people to like us. And the reality is like our parents, my parents growing up always told me like, you know, you can't please everybody. Not everybody's going to like you. And I also grew up knowing that like there's always somebody that's going to be smarter and nicer and prettier and kinder, but there's no me. And that's like such a cheesy, like easy mindset to have. I mean, hard mindset to have, but it's easier said than done. Yeah. But like being a kid, and I remember going to the playground. I remember having like playdates with my friends and not having a device at all. I know. I feel like we're just missing out on a lot of actual human interaction rather than social media interaction. And it's it's sad. I think that it needs to Change. get some help. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> some way. They only got help. 
I know. know. It makes me so sad. I was talking about that with my sister last night, actually. We were like really getting into this topic randomly. And I was like, it's just really scary that I don't think there is a way now. We're we're in so deep that if you did take away social media, I think There's people no way would to go freak out. Like, I don't think we can, yeah. which is so scary. So at least like Instagram, if you're listening, maybe throw up an age restriction. I don't know. Help, yes. Help some way. Um. All right. Well, I love you. Thank you so much for coming I on this you. podcast. You're always Thanks so entertaining to listen to genuinely from day one when I met <laughs> you and you walked in the rehearsal room. I just didn't want you to leave. Um, so oh, I'm so happy you came on. And Thanks. I'm so proud of you. Look at you. You have your own podcast, girl. I'm so awkward still. I'm like, I feel like the only episodes that I'm like really comfortable with are like you, Val, my sister being on. Like, I'd like to interview people I know because I'm like, well, Honestly, if I mess up, they'll sense it and they'll cover for me. <laughs> these are the best podcasts to listen to, though, because they're like honest and real. Yeah. So you're nailing it. Thanks, Bay. Enjoy yeah. New York. Give Val a hug for me. I'm giving you a virtual hug and I love you. And I'm so proud of your season. You, I mean, you murdered it. It was insane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 